Hello and thank you for joining me for another episode of the Saber Talk podcast. This is Mark Ice, your host, and I would like to apologize before I start because I've been kind of under the weather the last couple days and <clears throat> I've lost my voice a bit, so I may cough or I may sound stuffed up. Uh, I apologize, but I needed to get this out after the Rasmus Ristolainen re-signing and after getting the roster finalized, we can really start to talk about line combinations and how we see this team looking going into this year. Um, so first I'll talk about the Ristolainen contract. I thought it was great. Um, I've seen the major criticism is that people wanted it to be longer, wanted it to be seven or eight years, which I understand. I I would have preferred for it to be seven or eight years if it could have been a similar, uh, similar average value, but the, that would be buying additional unrestricted free agent years, and that can be expensive. So who knows how much more the Ristolainen camp wanted for a seven- or eight-year deal versus a six-year deal. Um, some people were saying they would have preferred a bridge deal, but I don't see the appeal in that. You already have a lot of contracts coming up within the next couple years. I mean, in two years, say that say that Ristolainen signed a two-year contract, you have Eichel and Reinhardt, coming up that year and those are the those are the primary pieces that you have to re-sign at that point Kane's contract also is coming up I don't know if they see him as a long-term piece or not but they're gonna have to make big decisions that offseason I mean they're already up near the cap this year and I know that that's with a dead weight Matt Molson contract and that's with an overpaid Brian Gianta and an overpaid Josh Georges Georges and Georges and Gianta definitely will be gone by then Molson they may have to buy out because his contract runs for another three years. But say, if Ristolainen signed a two- or three-year deal where he was making, say, 3 to $4 million, and he was ready to make a big payday at that point in time, now all of a sudden you may see his salary ramp up to $7, 8000000 million, and it makes it that much harder to fit him in with these other guys that need to be re-signed. Now you know what he's going to be paid. You know he's going to be making $5.4 million, which is extremely manageable especially when you try to project him forward think about the defenseman he could become he should be a bargain at 5.4 million dollars and over the next six years that really is this team's cup window and if they are in the middle of their cup window at the end of that six years you've got to think he'll want to stay you've got to hope that Tim Murray assuming he's still the GM at that point would still be able to or would be able to pull some Steve we- Steve Eiserman type magic and keep the band together. And you've seen Tampa, they've been able to get guys to sign below market value because it's a great team and a winning franchise. And, P- and players want, they want to get paid, but they also want a chance to win a championship. So I'm not really worried after that six years, this will be a, a fundamentally different team at that point in time the core players should still be here I think they'll all be kept around but this team could be in a very different position at that point so I wouldn't I wouldn't get too hung up on not getting that extra year or two beyond the six years I would be happy that you've got a top pairing defense banal locked up at 5.4 million dollars and now that's one less player that has to be worried about moving forward and the next big decisions to make are going to be on Eichel and Reinhardt. And what are the values that you can get those two locked up at? And you've got you've got O'Reilly and Oposo both locked up long-term. You're having to make a decision at goalie. Leonard's contract also is up in the same offseason as uh, 
Kane, Eichel, Reinhardt. So you're going to have to make a decision at goaltender as well. But things are starting to come together. You're, you start to be able to see these are the players that they're going to have to fit in. You now have three of them, the values of three of them, and really there are two other core guys that you're going to have to see, okay, what will their value be at that point in time? What's the projection of salaries around the league? And how do they do over the next two years? Do they take huge steps forward? And, you know, will it cost $8 million to lock Eichel up? Will it cost nine, ten, or um, – Reinhardt's really the bigger wild card because I think Eichel is almost a sure thing to become an elite player and to to require that kind of money to keep. But will Reinhardt be a five million dollar player or a seven or eight million dollar player? I think he's the one that's still kind of up in the air at this point. But I love the deal. I think Sabres fans should be happy. It was less than I expected. I had been expecting closer to six million than to five million. Uh but at $5.4 million a year over six years, I don't think anybody should be complaining about this deal. And I don't think a bridge deal was ever realistic. Maybe as a, uh, you know, as a last choice, uh, Murray could have come down to that. I don't know what Ristolainen wanted, but I think Ristolainen wanted to get paid now too. So I think it's a good deal for both sides, and I'm just glad it's done. So it's great that Ristolainen's going to be in uniform for the season opener uh, because this defense quite frankly, looks horrendous without him. It doesn't look great with him, and it looks horrible without him. So next I want to talk about the decisions made, who was sent down uh, in the final 23-man roster. It's the 23 that I thought it would be, assuming that everybody is is healthy or you know close to being healthy. Maybe we'll only miss the first game or two. Uh, and assuming that Ristolainen was signed. I was talking about some contingencies where if Ristolainen wasn't signed, you might see Justin Falk stay up as well. But Ristolainen was signed. Falk was waived, sent down. Um, Brendan Gooley also, I had said that that's a possibility. If Ristolainen isn't signed, they could keep Gooley up for the time being, even though I didn't think that he was ready. Uh, I I talked about I I think he has the makings of a quality NHL defenseman. The package is definitely there, but he still needs to bulk up, still needs another year in juniors, and I think hopefully a a year in the minors next year, at least most of a year in the minors next year. People thinking that he was ready to make an impact at the NHL level, I think they're being too optimistic with him. And the, the package is there. The skating is there. The frame is there. He's calm with the puck. Uh, but he does need to get a little stronger. Defensemen just take longer to develop, and I think you you need to be very careful with rushing them, and I don't think that he's one that you want to rush. So they made the right move sending him back. He went back, like I said, Falk was waived, sent down, so the seven on the back end now are set, and it's Ristolainen, Kulikov, McCabe, Bogosian, Georges, Franson and Casey Nelson. And that was the seven, I mean, those are the top seven defensemen in camp. Uh, so that made a lot of sense. Up front, Derek Grant, I think, looking at his performance throughout the preseason, it was, he was he, he became a lock to make the team, to be at least the 13th forward, and, and he made it. And I think that he's made quite a good case to be in the lineup opening night. I mean, even without injuries, I think, 
he may have leapfrogged ahead of Nick Delorier and Matt Molson potentially, especially when I think there's there's a hole at uh, at the at the fourth line center position. Because ideally, Gurgensons would play on the wing because of this team's weakness on the wing. Ideally, you'd be able to put him there, keep Larson at center, have another quality center to center the fourth line. And I think Derek Grant can be that guy, that guy that allows Gurgensons to move to the wing. So Grant made the team. Hudson Fashing also made the team. Um, I don't know if that'll be a long-term thing or not, or if... He could go down. There are some concerns that Kyle Poso won't be ready for the opener, may miss the first couple games. So Fashing could be up temporarily and then be sent down. Uh, but Fashing could be kept up. I mean, if he if he plays well enough to stick around, which I think the skills that he brings to the table are valuable to an NHL lineup, I would like to see him get at least most of the season in the AHL to really continue to develop his offensive game. But I think the board work that he brings, his physicality, his size, it's tough to find that. And he could settle into a niche in this team's top nine. I don't want him playing fourth line minutes or anything. Uh, but he could find a spot on this team long term even after Kyle Oposo comes back, assuming that he misses the first couple games. Uh, so I've tried to put together line projections based on the lines that Bilesma threw out there over the last few games. And it's tough because Ryan O'Reilly only played in one game. Obviously, there are a lot of other bodies in there. Uh, Nylander, they were trying to get a lot of time. Also, I didn't say uh, Alex Nylander was set, was sent down to Rochester, which I think is the right move as well. I think it would have been rushing him. I don't think he was ready. Looking at him away from the puck um, in the chances I got to watch him in this preseason, I don't think he's ready for the NHL game. And yes, he may have been able to make an impact on the power play. I think his skill would have would have shown through on the power play, but I think he would have really struggled at even strength. And I don't think he's ready for the NHL game yet as a whole. It would be great for him to go down, probably get a full season down in Rochester would be my ideal. And I think he'll come in next camp ready to compete for a spot. And as this team continues to get closer and closer to the cap and be squeezed by increasing contracts for these young players, a guy like Nylander on his entry-level deal will be very valuable. But that was, a, that was a nice move. Rochester will be a nice opportunity for him to be close to the Sabres staff within the organization, um, but able to really, uh, you know, really strengthen his, his play away from the puck and really figure out how to use his skill against men. Uh, so like I, like I was talking about before, I tried to come up with my lines. And these lines are assuming that Kyle Poso is injured to start the year. Um, so I have Hudson Fashing in his spot. So I think the first line is pretty set in stone, the way that they're talking. It sounds like this line is going to happen to start the year. And it's a line we saw last year. Evander Kane, Jack Eichel, Sam Reinhart. And I love Eichel and Reinhardt together. I think they play off each other very well. Um, that's where I wanted Reinhardt to be. I don't love Kane with Eichel. I do like Kane with Reinhardt. Reinhardt's one of those guys that kind of fits with everybody. Uh, but there's not really an option on this roster that makes perfect sense. So I can certainly understand why Kane would be the guy that emerged and will be the left winger on that line. I can't say it's perfect. If Tyler Ennis comes out and really lights it up and looks like the player that we saw two and three years ago, 
maybe he could emerge as the left winger on that line. But Kane, I like the size he brings. He gets the puck to the net. Um, Eichel and Reinhardt are both very opportunistic around the net. Kane's speed also is a great element. Kane and Eichel, two of the fastest players on the team. That's great to have. Uh, so I don't really have a problem with that line. I wouldn't be surprised to see Kane eventually move his way down the lineup and for somebody else to emerge as the left winger with those two. But this makes sense to start. Uh, and then really the issue, like I said, Ryan O'Reilly only played in one preseason game, and he played with Kane and Nylander in that game. And I just – Kane looks like he's going to be on a different line. Nylander went down to Rochester. So who are O'Reilly's wingers going to be? I've projected right now Zemgus Gergensen's at left wing, Hudson Fashing on the right wing. And then when Okposo comes back, I think he would step into Fashing's spot. Maybe Fashing would find a spot somewhere else in the lineup, or more likely I think he would be sent down to Rochester. Uh, and I'm basing this on the fact that Okposo, if he's not playing with Eichel, he needs to be playing with O'Reilly. I don't think you're going to have him playing on the third line with with Larson, uh, and those two will complement each other quite well, I think. I think those two fit well together, much like Eichel and Reinhardt. And we talked a lot last year about pairs and who are the pairs emerging. I think O'Reilly and Oposo are going to be one of the pairs, and Eichel and Reinhardt will be another. Uh, maybe Larson and Felino could be another. Uh, but I think those two make a lot of sense together. And then Gergensen's I put on the left wing there because I think he fits on a skilled line like that and he can bring kind of a little bit of everything to complement those other two. And also because on this third line, Ennis and Felino have played together quite a bit. So the third line I have Ennis and Felino centered by Larson. And I love Larson, the third line center role. He and Felino played together a lot last year. They played a lot with Gianta last year. But I think Gianta is going to fall down the line up to the fourth line. He played, he's played with Derek Grant quite a bit. So I think they may be a pair, at least to start the season. Um, and I think en- Ennis and Felino have looked like a potential pair because they've they played together multiple times in this past week. And they've played together in the past. Uh, and they certainly bring very different things to the table. So if you're talking about who complements each other, Ennis and Felino do. Uh Ennis, maybe that's not the best position for him, being in kind of a, a third-line role where you're hoping that line's going to bring a lot of possession to the table, bring a little bit of a physical edge. And Ennis doesn't bring a lot of that to the table, but um, I think that's where he starts this year. And you could see him move up the lineup. I talked about Kane may, may fall down the lineup and Ennis may emerge. I actually like that a lot more. I like Evander Kane in that kind of role where he can be the go-to player on a third line. And while I think Ennis is best fit as a complementary player on a first or second line. So I think that's where you'll see it happen eventually, but I don't think that's how Bilesma is going to play it to start the year. Um, The fourth line, I already said, Derek Grant, Brian Gianta, I think will be a pair. I think Grant will be in the top 12 to start the season, especially with the assumption here that Okposo is injured. Um, and then on the left wing, I'm putting Matt Molson for now. Uh, I could see Nick Delorier getting the, the go there, but Delorier really shouldn't – he should be the 14th forward on this team probably. 
if there are 14 forwards up here and everybody's healthy. I think I'd, I'd rather have Hudson Fashing in the lineup over him. I'd probably rather have Matt Molson in the lineup over him, even though Molson was pretty bad for most of last year. But I'd at least, I at least take, I would take the potential upside of Molson rediscovering his scoring touch a little bit, and maybe being able to score 10 to 15 goals over Deloria. He doesn't really bring much to the table. He can fight a little bit. He hits, but in terms of possession, which is so important in today's NHL, he doesn't. He really doesn't bring much there. He's a, a poor possession player. Uh, the team gets stuck at its own end a lot when he's on the ice, and the team doesn't generate shots on goal when he's on the ice. And those kind of players are dying out in today's NHL. Um, the back end isn't as interesting. I think you're going to see Kulikov and Ristolainen play together. Assuming that Kulikov is healthy, I'm assuming that he will be ready. Um and I think McCabe, he was playing on the right side a lot last week, I think in preparation of Ristolainen potentially not being ready. Bogosian also didn't play because he's been banged up, but I'm assuming in this that he's going to be ready as well. I'm assuming because they only kept seven defensemen that this is that their top six will be able to go. Um, so I think it'll be Kulikov, Ristolainen, McCabe, Bogosian on the second pair. We saw a lot of that pairing last year. Um, and then Georges and Franson, I think, will start with Nelson as the seventh defenseman. Um, Nelson will get a ton of games this year as the seventh defenseman. I wouldn't say that Cody Franson's spot on that third pairing is set in stone by any stretch, but I think it'll go to the vet to start. Uh, but I think people will be clamoring for Nelson to get it to get in to get into the lineup because he's one of the few defensemen on this team that can get a shot through from the point pretty consistently, and that's a valuable asset today. You saw it a lot in the preseason. He was able to do it last year. Um, I don't have super high hopes for him, but um, I think that he does bring some NHL-level skills to the table, and you may see him emerge because he does have upside that Cody Franson doesn't. You know you know what Cody Franson is. He's almost certainly not going to be here beyond this year. Uh, Casey Nelson probably will be. Uh, he probably will be a part of this this defensive core moving forward. Not saying that he's um, going to be one of the go-to guys or he's ever made anything more than a third-pairing defenseman, but I wouldn't be at all surprised if Nelson ends up stepping up and becoming Georges' partner on that third pairing I think what I do like this year and I think it's a huge upgrade in and of itself that we may not even think too much about but getting Kulikov and allowing Georges to settle into a low pressure third pairing role it's, it's a pretty big deal Kulikov isn't a world beater he's not a number one defenseman or anything uh, but he's a solid top four guy and that's a lot more than you could say for Georges last year and last year down the left side you had, as your main cogs, a declining Georges and a rookie, Jake McCabe. And those two were both in over their heads. So you've got to hope McCabe takes another step forward. Kulikov is at least solid. And I think with those two things, this could be maybe an average defense. And an average defense may be enough to get this team into the playoffs. If it's well below average, like it was last year, if it's one of the worst defensive units in the NHL, this team won't make the playoffs. They won't score enough to make the playoffs. 
but I think this defense has the makings of being at least okay. What I'm scared of is the depth, and I would have liked to have seen them be, be in on some of these waiver claims that came out. There were some interesting names out there. You could have sent Casey Nelson down, claimed at least an, an NHL-caliber defenseman, have that, have that player as your 7th D, and now have Nelson down in Rochester plus all these other AHL vets that have been signed. I think that would have improved the depth quite a bit. Now, it, didn't, it didn't seem like Murray was out trolling the waiver wire. Uh, I was I was hoping he would because there were interesting names out there, and I think he could have made a good case for several of the players out there. Uh, I was interested in Timu Polkanen. I don't think he's going to be a, a top six forward, but a guy with his shot and his goal-scoring ability, why not take the chance and send somebody like Fashing down, let Fashing start the season down in the minors, uh, worst case, you could wave Polkin in later. Um, PA, PA Parental, uh, very similar. You know, you could make a case. He doesn't have much upside at this point in his career, but he's a solid 10 to 15, you know, even 20-goal guy if he gets enough ice time. I don't think he'd ever get enough ice time to come close to that on this team. But um, you could have bolstered the forward depth that way I think the forward depth is far better on this team than the defensive depth so I was more concerned with defense than I was up front but the names up front were more interesting Mark McNeil was another name that a lot of people brought up Um, he could have come in and compete for that fourth line center role he's still pretty young he's a first round pick and I believe the 2011 draft but if he wasn't good enough to make that Blackhawks team that has been starved for depth for years you know, because of the the big contracts to Jonathan Taves and Patrick Kane um, and the money they've tied up in, in Hosa and Keith and Corey Crawford and Jalmerson. If he couldn't make that team over all these years, I don't know if he's ever going to be able to stick in the NHL. Uh, but there were a lot of interesting names out there, and I wouldn't have minded seeing Murray go out and pick somebody up just to bolster depth because this team did have a lot of flexibility with being able to send players down because think if you're willing to send down Nelson and Fashing that's two roster spots right there that were available for potential uh, waiver claims or you know trading a late pick to, to somebody for a player that was on the fringe of their roster so I would have liked to have seen Murray be active on that front I'm sure he was making calls I, it's impossible for us to know exactly what was going on but uh, that's the biggest thing I think I'm concerned about right now is just depth and most specifically depth on the back end. Um, so the Sabres are in action on Thursday and it looks like you know they're set with their roster. We shouldn't have too much to talk about in the coming days unless something big happens. We probably will know whether uh, Okposal will be in the lineup, uh, whether Kulikov and Bogosian will be in the lineup to start the year. It sounds like Kulikov and Bogosian will be, but Okposal is much more uncertain. Uh, so that'll be interesting. I may do a, a pregame podcast before that. Um, I do want to do a season preview. I've got some notes together, but that'll be a long episode. It takes some time to prepare for, so... Um, I'll try to have that out before the season starts, obviously. Otherwise, it's not really a season preview if you let some of the games go by already. 
so thank you for listening. Looking forward to starting the year and have a fantastic night.